0: All right, Shabbat Shalom. I want to just take some uh, time this morning to uh, focus our attention on the, uh, uh, the subject of Sukkot. Uh, and um, uh, one way to uh, kind of emphasize the fruit of Sukkot or the items we use at Sukkot is to uh, read some from our tradition as just a little story. I think it's time to get a new one of these. (laughs) Okay, a uh, um, just a little illustration. Now, how many of you prefer going to Jewel and just buying whatever fruit they have there uh, that happens to be uh, available, like a, a tomato? Just figure a tomato. How many of you go to Jewel and you buy a tomato off the rack? And you take it home and you just can't wait to eat it because that tomato is going to have so much taste. How many of you have that kind of thought in your mind? A couple of you do. All right. All right. Now, that's from a jewel. Now, how many of you shop organic and you go to your favorite fruit market like Jerry's, where my wife likes to dump a lot of money, and you know you're going there because there they pick it. And it's not just... You know, picked green and then sprayed with coloring and then shipped to Jewel over the course of a couple of weeks. There, they pick it the day before, right from the vine, and then they sell it to you. And when you get that tomato, you're so happy because you slice into it. There's actually juice in it that's, that's not artificial. And you pair that up, let's say, with a nice piece of onion, lox, cream cheese on a bagel. <laughs> Now, Okay. <laughs> that's that's Barry's thing. Many years ago, when I had time, I grew, you know, grew tomato plants in my backyard. I used to love, love ripe tomatoes right off the vine because they had taste. When I grew up in California when I was a kid, you know, before they introduced all this shipping of stuff everywhere. I mean when you went to you got fruit, it had taste. You know, you got an apple, it had taste. You had an orange, it had taste. Nowadays. If you really want tasteful fruit, you either have to get it organic or go to another country where they still value taste in their fruits and vegetables. All right, so fruit to us is an item often that doesn't necessarily include taste or smell. In fact, with all the uh, the changes going on, in, in uh, uh, there's like uh, plants that will bloom constantly. But one of the downsides is that they lose fragrance. And my father used to to have roses. My father, my grandfather, it was like the garden. And so you go to a rose bush and, and roses have scent. But a lot of rose bushes, the new hybrids and stuff, they may give you more flowers, but they don't have much fragrance. We lose a little something with all of our monkeying around. So when you think about fresh fruit, you think about fresh vegetables, you think about, about flowers, you think of scent, uh, scents, of smells, and of tastes. And uh, at the holiday of Sukkot, we celebrate before the Lord our God. And we celebrate with a couple of items. If you're here for the Sukkot service on uh, Thursday morning, you had the opportunity to wave the lulav and the etrog. And of course, uh, by tradition, we do not... Uh, wave it on Shabbat, but it doesn't mean we can't talk about it. And when I picked my Lulav, now I, this year I asked my friend Barry Budolf, Rabbi Budolf, went and made a big old deal, and because of that he selected my Eftroid and my Lulav. But I like going in, I like going over to Rosenbloom's and, and looking through the boxes, and I like to get the one to me that is the nicest yellow, alright, but has the best smell. Because the smell is what is so unique to me in the etrog, all right? So, again, you know, it's got to be kosher, so it's got to have the basics, including the end piece. But to me, it's the smell. Now, if you've ever eaten, if you've ever eaten an etrog, and I have, you know, for a while there after Sukkot, I would uh, basically cut them up and put it in my Diet Coke. <laughs> Just me. It's an expensive, an expensive garnish. <laughs> Diet of coke. I had a professor, one of my professors in my uh, my uh, seminary education in rabbinics. Uh, his family tradition was to take the etrogs the, the, the after the holiday and make it into a marmalade of all things. But the truth of the matter is, you don't get a lot of fruit out of the etrog because it's got a lot, of – it's thick, that's thick lining in the walls. And so there's not a lot of actual fruit. You peel off the skin on an orange. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fruit there. With the etrog, it's not like that. But the etrog has the etrog has really good smell. Now, if you were to bite into the palm frond, you wouldn't get much there. Okay. Uh, although it is kind of fun to see it. Uh, the willow has some. Well, there ain't much there either. But when it's fresh, there is some smell. I want to read something. Just a, a little rabbinic uh, interpretation in terms of the four species. Alright, so these four items, the etrog, the lulav, which is the palm frond, the uh, uh, the myrtle, the hadas, and the arava, which is the uh, the willow. These uh, four items are called the four species. And uh, this is one interpretation. Uh, tradition sees the four species as symbolic of four types of Jews. And so the question is, which Jew are you? This morning. So listen. The etrog has taste and fragrance, and so stands for those Jews who possess learning and good deeds. So the etrog has taste and fragrance, and so stands for those Jews who possess uh, possess learning and good deeds. So they learn and they do. The palm tree has taste, but not fragrance. Although, if you taste it, it's not much there. But it has taste, but no fragrance. doesn't smell anything. Like Jews who possess learning, they they learn, they hear, but they don't do anything. No mitzvot, no good deeds, no action as a result of what they've learned. The myrtle has fragrance. All right, the myrtle right here, especially it's kind of drying out already when it's fresh, has fragrance, but does not have uh, taste. Like Jews who possess good deeds but not learning, all right? You can't do much if you don't know much, all right? So you got to learn so that you can do, all right? So you don't want to learn and not do, but you don't want to do and not learn. And then the willow, the willow has neither. (laughs) Doesn't have taste, doesn't have smell, just as there are Jews who are neither good nor learned. There's a lot of Jews who are ignorant Jews in our world today who don't do anything, they, they, You know, here we're speaking in terms of spiritual realities and covenant faithfulness. A lot of Jews today who don't learn anything about God and living lives for Him, nor are they interested in in doing anything for God. Uh, the tradition continues that God declares that to destroy the last group is impossible. God could never destroy His people, even though His people is ignorant and rebellious. But instead, the command from God is that they all should be tied together. <laughs> And in this way, they will atone for one another because they have to put up with one another, okay? Just an interesting little interpretation from our tradition. Now, certainly, atonement comes through Messiah Yeshua's death. It's not by hanging out with a bunch of other people that are not interested in following God and his instructions, all right? Uh, But it's very important that we understand that both learning, hearing God's instructions, and living it out just like smelling and tasting are so critical to the etrog, is important and critical within community. If we as people within community are not desiring to learn, all right, and not desiring to do good deeds, then what what are we as a community? We're sterile and ineffective for the work that God wants us to do. God wants us to be useful fruit. God wants us to be both smelly and tasty, all in the positive sense of what that means. I want us to, I want us to begin by taking another look briefly in Leviticus. Just want to read again this key passage of these uh, uh, four items Leviticus 23. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. Leviticus 23, 39 through 43. This is page 137 in the Congregational Tanakh. It says, But on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered the produce of the land, you are to observe the festival of Adonai seven days. The first day is to be a complete rest, and the eighth day is to be a complete rest. On the first day, you are to take choice fruit, palm fronds, thick branches, and river willows, and celebrate in the presence of Adonai your God for seven days. You are to observe it as a feast to Adonai seven days in the year, it is a permanent regulation, generation after generation. Keep it in the seventh month. You are to live in Sukkot for seven days. Every citizen of Israel is to live in a Sukkah. So that generation after generation, you, you will know that I made the people of Israel live in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. So here we have a couple of things. First of all, we have this holiday, which is what well, we're in Sukkot. Technically, Sukkot is seven days. All right, so it began Wednesday night. It ends Wednesday day. And then Wednesday night is Shmini Atzeret. It's the additional day. An additional day, we'll talk about it. You should come back for Shmini Wednesday night, it's uh, more of a celebration of Simcha's Torah. It's celebrating God's Torah. And then on Thursday, we will roll the Torah from the end all the way back to the beginning. And I encourage you to come if you can. It's a yuntif. If you can take it off, be here. If you can't, I understand, and God understands, so don't feel guilty. But if you can come, you should be here on, uh, on uh, Wednesday night and Thursday. Uh, but the idea is to, uh, to set this time aside to celebrate God's provision. Celebration is a big part of this. Now, you may say, why are we, well, this is weird, you know, I mean, this is really strange. Running around, jumping up and down, celebrating with these items, uh, these items. Yeah, but the idea is these are really supposed to be symbols to allow us to rejoice or to really allow us to focus our attention on what God has done, okay? That's the idea. Uh, it's not, the you know, the, in and of themselves, it's a little strange, it's a little hokey, okay, fine. It's just some verbiage, some, some uh, foliage that's out there that we, that we haul in. But it is the attitude of celebration before God. To celebrate before God, it was at the Seattle Seahawks game uh, a couple of we- what? about last week that they believed that at the Seattle Seahawks game, where there was the loudest sound ever in a football stadium recorded, right? Right? That David's shaking and said, "Yeah, I mean it was like a just tremendous amount of noise of celebration." And, and unfortunately, as believers, you know, in our do we celebrate? I mean, when we sing our songs, are we? rejoice O zion shout and sing we're like a bunch of people sucking on lemons you know half the time when we celebrate we don't express ourselves it's almost like rejoicing when it comes to religion is not acceptable okay but at a football game it makes total sense of course not the lord our god calls us to rejoice And some of us are more timid than others, but we need to understand what it means to celebrate before God, to get excited about who God is, and to rejoice in Him. And so Sukkot is that holiday. It's the holiday of our rejoicing. Now, uh, um, a couple of things to keep in mind when it comes to uh, uh, the uh, idea of these items. It specifically says to take choice items in verse 40. Uh, This is because... According to human nature, we will only give what 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 we absolutely need to. Often, right? Uh, God chides our ancestors when they would bring to the altar items that were okay but not the best. God wants us to bring our best to Him, and so when you when you pick these items, we're supposed to pick ones that are choice, that are really good. Uh, anybody seen the movie Ushpuzin? It's a great movie. Because it's about one guy's pursuit of the perfect etrog, all right? That costs so much money. But it's a mitzvah, a real mitzvah to buy the best you can afford, the best you can afford. If a person is, if a person has nothing, they should go and buy the best food and drink they can afford to celebrate Shabbat every week, all right? All right? I mean that's that's our tradition as a people. It's because when we are when we set God's Day aside, we should celebrate it. Therefore, we plan in advance for it. Therefore, we provide for it the best we can afford. All right? Last night it was just Matt, Eric, and I at home. There were no women in the house. And so we had a great night. I went out and I got the best steak I could afford. And it was cheap kosher steak, but it was meat. And no one was telling me we had to have a salad. So we didn't have a salad. We had tater tots. And we had, we had microwaved or what did I, disturb? But it was great. It was a lot of carbs and a lot of protein. It was a fantastic dinner. What? Yeah, Jay liked it too. So, you know, but how do you celebrate Sukkot? How do you celebrate Shabbat? Do you celebrate Shabbat? Each one of us... Needs to set the day aside and prepare for it with the best that we have, and celebrate before the Lord our God all that He has done. You know, with the Kiddush, when you know, you should think about what you can bring each Shabbat to help with the Kiddush, so that we celebrate together what God has done. All right, whether it's whether it's egg salad or, or tuna salad or some other kind of thing that you make or eggs, <laughs> as I point over there, yeah, but uh, whatever you bring, you know, should be choice. To offer up to the Lord our God. You know, it's what we're doing together. Now, um, turn with me to the New Covenant text. I always like to read this passage in relation to this. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 in the New Covenant text. Page 1456. Actually, for, 1457. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. Shaul's uh, basically teaching through this section or uh, writing to uh, these uh, believers in Galatia in Asia Minor, what today is Turkey. And he is uh, giving them a challenge in regards to the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to read the text, Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Nothing in the Torah stands against such things. Moreover, those who belong to the Messiah Yeshua have put their old nature to death on the stake, along with its passions and desires, since it is through the Spirit that we have life. Let it also be through the Spirit that we order our lives day by day. First thing we notice here are these, these fruits of the Spirit. Now, what, what he uses this illustration. Now, what's interesting is in the, the Greek, because this book is written in Greek, it doesn't actually speak of the fruits of the spirit it says the fruit all right so the manifestation okay what what it, what is produced in the life of a believer what is produced in the life of a believer are these things love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness humility self control if you are following messiah these attributes will be evident in your life that's the fruit of the spirit okay it's what the spirit of god is producing in you as you live your life god's way now uh the uh, uh you know it, it would, let me put it in, in let me say this in like real fruit okay it ripens over time does that make sense All right, you may look at your life and you may say, you know what, listen, uh, in my life, I am a very joyful person, but uh, I have a real problem with humility. (laughs) Okay? Or I may be uh, a very self-controlled person, but I have no patience. All right? You might... You might be doing well in some way. The Spirit of God, just because of who you are, you're just doing really well in one particular aspect of this list, but in other areas, not doing so well. But the expectation from God is that each of these are manifesting in your life in a progressively developing manner. Okay? In other words, you do not get a pass. You do not get a pass on one of these manifestations. You might be a wonderful person when it comes to showing love. But if you are somebody who has pride, you cannot say, well, I have love. Pride is just something that is, It's not a pride issue, it's just my personality. It's just the way that I am. You know, we can't make excuses for not manifesting certain ones of these fruit. Okay? The reason I bring it up is because we, again, I, we talked about this during, during the holidays, it's very easy for us to give ourselves passes on those things we don't do so well at. We make excuses for them. God wants us to be maturing in him. God wants us to be allowing the spirit of God to change us and to make us more and more in the person of our Messiah, Yeshua. Therefore, each one of these, all together, each one of these individually, together make up the fruit the manifestation of God's work in your life. And so it, it, it does you well, it does you well if you take time now even to consider which one of these you're not doing so good at. And if you're not sure, talk to somebody significant in your life, your friend, your spouse, somebody, and they will tell you which ones you struggle with if they're honest with you. And you should be grateful for that. Because the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. In what way are you not manifesting the Spirit's fruit? Now, uh, the uh, uh, other part of this in verses uh, 24 and 25 and 26 uh, have to be with the importance of action. Now, the one thing I decided this year, Uh, 5774, I want to focus our attention on what I think is a big issue in our community. All right, you'll, you'll, you know, this is just going to roll out over the course of the next couple of weeks. But I think that we have a tremendous community. God has done a tremendous work among us, okay? At the same time, I think we have a problem, all of us, myself included. You know, on one side, uh, there's the issue of learning. On the other side, it's the issue of doing. Uh, You know, when you go to the Torah... Uh, you see, the uh, the people say in response to to, to uh, uh, Moses's statement about God's instructions, the people say, "We have heard and we will do." Okay, we have heard and we will do. All right, the hearing, the listening, the learning, the understanding, leading to action. And of course, what is the problem? That is throughout the Torah and throughout the Nevi'im and throughout the Ketuvim, throughout the New Covenant text. People not really hearing and not really doing. And even if they hear it, they don't do it. This is the history of our people. It's the history of all people. It's the history of each one of us. We struggle with, on one side, really hearing, but then taking what we do here and actually applying it. I love, uh, and I won't point out who said it, but he's, he's in the room, is he says, I know what it means to be a good Jew, in terms of god's instructions and i'm honest i don't do it <laughs> you know? thank you mr Isaacson. so it's, you know the bottom line is is that we struggle but this year i want to challenge us in this we need to do a better job of both learning which means teaching we need to do, do a better job of teaching but we all have to do a better job of hearing of learning and then we got to apply it in a better way we really do uh, I love to tell people that, uh, you know, I, I got a phone call from Barry about uh, about the Lulavim and etrogim. okay? So uh, how many do the, he's making a deal. He's going to get a whole lot of them. He ended up buying 30, 30 of them, okay? And uh, the bottom line is, is, he says, well, how many do you need in your synagogue? How, you know, who buys them? And the bottom line is, I said, nobody, I buy them. I buy one for myself, one for the synagogue. And he was shocked because it's, everybody's supposed to get their own, all right? But he, buy, he bought 30, like I said. I, I ended up buying three, one for, two for me and one for Robert Kernstock, all right? And part of it is, is we are really a unique group. We are literally a bunch of Jews that believe in Jesus, but just like the rest of the Jewish community, unless you're orthodox and observant, these are all things you borrow from somebody, okay? You don't buy one on your own. Yet the instruction is we're supposed to do for ourselves. I think too many of us are living Jewish life, all right, through someone else. Right? Maybe when it comes to Shabbat, you do it at my house or you do it when the, the synagogue has a, uh, a Shabbat dinner, an every Shabbat dinner. But in your own life, you don't keep Shabbos at all. <laughs> okay? We need to have a discussion and an understanding of what it means for each one of us to not only to hear, but to do. And how that that doing is will vary. That's true. So I was having a discussion last night. <laughs> in our sukkah, see, it's so funny. If one of you had just come by the house, smelled the steak, dropped in, you could have gotten some because we were sitting in the back in the sukkah and there was one piece left, which I intend to eat before my wife comes home. So... <clears throat> But the bottom line is, you know, we had a great discussion about kashrut, in a sense, okay? I mean, there's all kinds of traditional understandings. But do you realize that when you listen to the biblical text, there are certain foods we are not supposed to eat. We are forbidden to eat. Now, tradition has added a lot of things in terms of of the food we are allowed to eat, what it's supposed to be. So it's not really kosher, kosher if it's not... Uh, you know, to some people, Glad Kosher or Lubavitch Kosher. What it really is is make sure you you eat beef, lamb, you know, chicken items that are obviously kosher in terms of their natural form. Okay, what is not on the buffet? You know, what's interesting this is what is not on a traditional Jewish buffet is also a cheeseburger. Though you may say, but that's not in the biblical text. This is true, but in terms of Jewish life, how Jews have lived for well over twenty five hundred years. Is a cheeseburger's not on the buffet any more than a bacon burger is on the buffet. Does that make sense? When it comes to how you do Jewish life, the question is not, you know, tradition generally speaking. For most of us, we struggle with just the biblical side of it all, though. When it comes to Shabbat, how do we do Shabbat? Do we really set it aside? No one here is telling you to walk to services, although Esther walks to services because she likes to. And you certainly are free to walk to services. But the question is, are you in services? And are you here to listen so that you can do? Are you here to be in community with other people? Are you here to, to really be challenged in your faith, to grow, to truly worship? All right, Are you, are you here early? Because I know some people will struggle with that. But are you here trying everything you can to absorb all that God has provided on this day for us so that we might really be more and more maturing into the fruit-bearing people that God wants us to be? But I think that that's a, an important focus for us. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know We've got to do a much better job on, on, the, on the hearing side as a community, but it's on that doing side that we've got to uh, make some some greater adjustments. So uh, you'll see it. We're going to be starting a series. I'll be speaking this year uh, uh, in my sermons on Shabbat on the book of Colossians. And the reason why is because it's just very darn practical. Very practical. New Covenant book, uh, but very, very practical. Uh, Wednesday nights we're going to be focusing on uh, a couple of different things, one of which will be a whole discussion I want to have in terms of observance, and I want us to walk through that a little bit on Wednesday nights, but also on, on spiritual gifts. I think uh, so. one thing I've heard repeatedly is people don't know what their spiritual gifts are. Well, part of the problem is, I'm going to say it, and it's really what got the conversation in my head going, many of us have heard it for years. I mean, if you've been in this synagogue for more than two years, I, I'm repeating so much all the time. And so you've heard about spiritual gifts. The problem is... I think many of you don't do anything about it, all right? And with spiritual gifts, the whole idea of, of, of letting the Spirit of God work through us in those areas that, that he wants us, that's, that's all what spiritual gifts are, and we're not doing what needs to be done in order to understand what our uh, uh, spiritual enablements are. So, you know, uh, when you're in school, they give you in-room in exercises, all right, to role play and to understand what you're supposed to do. And then they send you home with homework so you can practice it at home. Right? But I, and I, my prayer is that in the process of this year, by the time we come to next Rosh Hashanah, that for each one of us we have a clear understanding of what it is that God wants us to know and that we're applying it and living it out so that we are doing the things that God wants us to do. That we are living out the scriptures as well as our Jewish identity in such a way that God is pleased and our testimony is enhanced to our, to the, to our greater Jewish community and to the body of Messiah at large. So that's, that's my objective, that's my goal. God wants us to be useful fruit. You know, uh, If you want to be plastic fruit and just sit on a shelf, uh, I suppose you could do that, but what's the point? All right. It has neither taste nor smell, and after a while, it just looks ugly. I would much rather be useful fruit that God can use. That and what's wonderful too, and I want to say this about about our lives when we are living our lives God's way, and our lives are being used. And when I when you when you when you use that word "used," you're talking about consumption, really. All right. People are being blessed uh, through your life because God is using you in the lives of people. Your energy is being exerted. You're, you're getting tired. You're getting worn. But you are never consumed. Just like the, the fiery bush that Moses saw was never consumed. All right? Yeah, you get tired. You get worn. But with the Spirit of God doing what, what it is that he wants you to do, you always have the energy and the ability to serve as God wants you to serve. And so, uh, uh, anyway, I'm um, actually way off from my sermon here. So let me just end this here because uh, I'm getting hungry. Um, my, my challenge really is, is just twofold here. Uh, as the spiritual fruit of God's work in this world, how would you rate your spiritual tastiness? <laughs> okay. Uh, what would you smell like to God? Are you smelly good or smelly bad? All right, how's that? Are you smelly good or smelly bad? Uh, it talks in the book of Revelation about God spitting out the mediocre uh, from his mouth. He doesn't like that mediocre uh, taste. Uh, God wants us to taste good, and so we need to taste good to God by learning how God wants us to live. Each one of us, how does God want us to live? Let's learn what that means, all right, so that we can taste good to God. Second, we need to smell good to God by acting out how God wants us to live. We have to take all that we have learned and live it, and in that sense, we will smell good because we're going to be fragrance before the Lord our God. Our lives, living sacrifices. Lamb chops on the altar must have been a spectacular scent, okay? Uh, just like lamb chops on my barbecue. As we're living our lives as a living sacrifice for the Lord. We are producing fragrance, and I think God is well-pleased. So let's taste good by learning, and let's smell good by doing. And may 5774 be a year in which God works through us to make a tremendous impact within our Jewish world, among our family and our friends, you know. You, you guys realize we had over 20 different Jewish people in our services who were not believers in Yeshua, right? <laughs> we always have a tremendous number of people that wander into this place for our services for High Holidays. Now, what can we do to reach into the lives of those people? Some of them are family and our friends. Let's pray that in this new year, through change in our life, where we are listening and doing, that God will make that happen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this particular day, this day of uh, the homo Amoed, of Sukkot, and and uh, this wonderful holiday of rejoicing. I pray, God, that we would celebrate before you all that you would have done and that you would indeed be glorified and uh, pleased with our actions, God. And, again, we just thank you for the fact that through our Messiah, Yeshua, all this is made possible. We pray this. in